This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. everyone and welcome to the first episode of Cosmos and the City. My name is Megan McKeever and I'll be your host slash mixologist for the evening. So as you may or may not know, we'll be watching through the entire series of Sex and the City and each week I'll have a new guest to join me. So okay, I realize that this show is like 13 years old, but guys, you know, it, it lives eternally on HBO Go. So what that means is new generations are just now discovering what it means to be a Samantha. So in this first episode, we're going to explore the pilot of Sex and the City and how in a lot of ways, the show is still relevant today. This week, our guest is my good friend, Emily Rothstein, who is the manager of comedy development at ABC. And she's awesome and provided some great insight into the first episode titled Sex and the City. If you like what you hear and want to show us some love, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, both at Cosmos and the City. If you have any thoughts, opinions, things I missed, you know, etc., you can email us at cosmosandthecity at gmail.com. This show is brought to you by Boardwalk Audio, and they've got a lot of other fabulous podcasts, so head over to boardwalkaudio.com to check them out. And if you like the show and want to support it, the best way to do so is by shopping. Well, how you ask? Well, just go to boardwalkaudio.com slash cosmos, click the support our artist button and shop on Amazon like you normally would, you know, buy shoes, clothes, onesies, beer. Can you buy beer? I don't even know. So go check it out. All right. Enjoy the episode. Well, hello. Hi. <laughs> well, welcome to Cosmos and the City. It's nice to be here. Cheers. <laughs> um, cheers. Yes. Well, my name is Megan, and I'm here with Emily Rothstein, and she is the Comedy Development Executive at ABC Studios. Emily, can you tell us what that is? (laughs) Sure. Uh, A development executive at a studio uh, works with writers and producers as people come in and pitch ideas for new shows. So we develop projects from pitch to pilot to series. And we give creative notes and feedback along throughout the process. Um, and we're a studio, so we sell to all of the networks. The show that you can be watching right now that we produce is The Mayor. Awesome. Uh, on ABC. That's the newest one. And we produce Blackish and American Housewife and Speechless, among many, many others. Very cool. Yeah. So you work in pilots. Pretty much. So you are the perfect person to have on this particular episode (laughs) of this podcast because this is the Sex in the City pilot. It is. And it's actually called Sex in the City. So as uh, someone that has your job, what do you actually think of the pilot? (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. It's hard to... It's hard to separate watching the pilot now because I've seen the whole series and I... I don't remember my experience watching it when it aired, to be honest. It was younger then. Yes, Uh, we all were. (laughs) As we all were. So your experience watching it now is kind of in comparison to what you know the show became. I think in watching it now, it's a really good pilot. Um, It's not a great pilot. I wouldn't say, (laughs) I'm being honest. Yeah, no, it becomes a really great show. But I think that as a pilot, 
it introduces you to this world and this characters, but it definitely feels more anthropological or like it's more of an observant show than this like emotional show about the relationships between these women that I think it evolved into. Right. This show as a pilot doesn't necessarily feel representative of where the show turned as a series, which is a good thing because I think the great thing about shows, and I think especially in comedy, is seeing how shows evolve over time and find a rhythm and figure out what works best. Totally. Like, when I'm watching it, it almost feels like a documentary. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is how the book was. The book was more, I don't think I ever read it, but I I think the book was maybe more of a documentary feel for, you know, a book more observant and you have the people talking directly to camera, which is, you know, a stylistic choice. So it felt more like each week you're going to deal with a particular issue in dating or whatever her column is that week and then experience it through the lens of these women. And over time, it just evolved as you became more emotionally connected to the characters. Yeah. I tried to read the book recently (laughs) and I could not get past like the first several pages. Oh, really? Yeah. It was just... Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a book. But I did notice, though, that one of the characters in, like, the first chapter is Capote Duncan. Oh, Capote Duncan. Yes, who <laughs> makes it to the pilot episode. Yes. So I guess they were trying to have a little bit of the book in there right. with it the pilot. Right, it feels more like an adaptation uh, of the book, which is probably what they intended to do at the time. At the time. So they achieved it. Yeah. And then after the pilot, they realized, that's not good. Let's, <laughs> let's do something completely different for the second episode. Well, and as someone, I was watching it now. I think like the scene that stands out the most in that pilot is the scene where the four women are having dinner. And so I feel like a producer or an executive or whoever is watching that show, you see that that's your series in it is these four women talking and each of them, I think what made the show so great is that those women were so specific and they were so different and they each had a very different opinion on whatever the issue was. And so if you're watching that, that's what you want more of. It's seeing how each woman relates to an issue in a different way because I think ultimately that's how viewers related to the show, which is like, I'm a Carrie or I'm a Samantha. Mm -hmm. And that's how you do that is through those scenes. And then later on, obviously they have, you know, their brunch, weekly brunch every week, and they're they're together much more than they are throughout this pilot. Right. I think they did try to have other characters mm-hmm. make it past the pilot. Like Skipper, he made it into more of the season, but he then lasts eventually a, lo- a long time. He does through second season two. He's like I think the first Steve. He is. And actually, <laughs> him and Steve, well, no, we're, now we're getting into oh, that. further not supposed else. to say spoilers. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Um, but yeah, oh, Skipper. Um, he's so nice. He is so nice. He's too nice. Yeah. That's the problem. I know. There was a commercial with the guy who played Skipper a couple of years ago. Like he was in it. And I think he Ben had like, Weber is his name. Oh, okay. Ben Weber. <laughs> but he was in it and he was like married with kids in this commercial. I don't remember what it was for. But I remember thinking to myself, like, he did it. Skipper, like, he did it. He found a girl. He had some kids. <laughs> he was a I don't know what that romantic. says about me and my TV viewing habits. I felt really proud of Skipper. <laughs> I know. He's, he's a puppy. <laughs> well, let's talk about the storyline of each character, okay. each main character. We have Carrie, mm-hmm. Samantha, Miranda, and... Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> Of course. Sweet Charlotte. Sweet. So sweet. All right. So what's going on with Carrie? So the kind of thesis for the episode, 
seems a little pretentious, <laughs> is the the idea of can women have sex like men? Yes. So it's each of these women exploring that and, and either doing it for themselves or not doing it in Charlotte's case or taking us, you know, making that her empowerment by not doing it. So Carrie meets her old Kurt Harrington. Kurt Harrington, uh, who she's <laughs> been with on a number of occasions and much to Stanford's chagrin, ends up with him again. Yes. <laughs> and then the others, they don't have as much of a full-fledged story in this. Um, Charlotte goes on her date with uh, Capote Duncan and Miranda goes on a date with Skipper and they mm. all kind of end up at this nightclub. Chaos. Chaos. And of course we meet Mr. Big. Yes. Now what did you think about that meet cute? I think it's one of the all-time classic meet cutes, yeah, I would great. say, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, and especially now, it's like people don't meet in a normal way anymore, in a natural way anymore. No. So it was just, it was cute. She falls on the street and she, or she trips and her purse spills. And of course he picks up all of her condoms and he just has this way of looking at her that's just like simultaneously really like amused and attracted. And I don't know, it's, it's interesting. We were, we were watching the episode before this and all of us were like, they never actually introduce each other. Like no one, right? she never says her name. He never says his, which, you know, is obviously a thing throughout the series, but it's funny, they don't really talk that much, but the the two actors, I think, had a lot of chemistry and, and the way they filmed it, you just kind of, you know right away that he's a big deal. Um, yes, a big A deal. big <laughs> deal. And what's funny is when Samantha introduces him, she introduces him as- The, the next the, Donald the Trump. The next Donald yes. Trump, which in 2017 puts that in a different context. And they, they actually talk <laughs> that about- hope isn't true. Yeah, they talk about Donald Trump a lot in this series, and we will be keeping a running yes. tally yeah. of every time he's mm-hmm. mentioned, and then eventually- He's actually on the show. Yeah, I remember that. So, and we'll get there. So, Samantha. She doesn't really have her own story in this. She's kind of the... Well, Samantha ends up with Capote Duncan. That's true. Who Charlotte went on the date with first. Yeah. Also, wait, can we talk for a second about this? Because (laughs) Charlotte goes on a date with this guy, right? And she's in his apartment and she's like... I'm going to like kiss him and be sexy and then leave. And that's going to be my power move. And then this guy follows her out. Here's where she's going in her cab and then gets in to go to a nightclub because he quote, really needs to have sex tonight. <laughs> it, it, it's just like, just take the next cab. Right. It, it's not like it's New York. There's a lot of them. And he's like rich. He's wealthy. Yeah. Why why sit in the cab with her and and just make her feel that much worse about herself when she's kind of feeling like she's on a high about the whole thing? At the same time, though, I kind of appreciate his honesty. Well, that's just true. a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I, I guess you'd rather them be honest than just he's like never- He's still a dick. I mean- <laughs> Yeah, no, but he's- honest about it. Right. He knows he's an asshole. So (laughs) does it make it better if they know they're an asshole? That I guess is, that could be an entire uh, different episode. That's the question about everything, isn't it? (laughs) Like, yeah, I I don't know. And then, yeah, Samantha ends up with him at the end of the night, which is very much Samantha. 
I feel like in later seasons, had that happened once these people were more fleshed out, like that would have really upset Charlotte. Well, that's the thing. I was like, did they not talk? I mean, or were they not good friends yet? And I'm trying to remember, I feel like something similar did happen in a later season and Charlotte was like, very upset and Samantha well, couldn't Samantha understand. Well, Samantha had sex with her brother. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And she she freaks out. Different situation, could kind of understand her side of it there. But in this case, it seemed like, okay, like if you want to have sex with him, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> just the characters just weren't fleshed out. And I, and I think it also shows though that throughout this series, you kind of see who's closer because some of them are closer than... The others. Yeah. They're close as a group. Right. But Carrie and Miranda are definitely like mm-hmm. best friends. And Carrie seems like to be the anchor that holds them all yes. together. Yeah. But it's kind of nice to see that Samantha and Charlotte's friendship does grow. Yeah. Throughout yeah. the series. I think the individual ones do all grow. And it, you know, the one other thing I'll say about this pilot, as much as you love that scene between the four of them, you do question how do these women become friends? And I think mm-hmm. the one thing that I always was wondering about in the sh- in the series is the history of these women. You, and you you end up eventually finding out small things about, you know, how they met each other and where they each come from. And, you know, you meet some of their family members. But you – it's really rare, if you think about it, to, to see a show and to see a pilot, especially where you're not being overloaded with information. And mm-hmm. I think something that I deal with every day in my job is – you know, wanting to know a lot of information about people in 21 minutes because broadcast TV, a pilot is 21 minutes and that's not a lot of time. Nope. (laughs) And so it's kind of interesting watching this because you really don't know anything about these people, but there is something that draws you to them to want to know more. And so it's almost like there's something to be said for less is more, I guess, if you like the people enough and and you're curious enough about their story because you kind of just accept that these women are best friends and you move on. Right, exactly. But it it is interesting to know how they all met and they tried to make a show about that. Yeah. <laughs> called The Carrie Diaries. I, I didn't watch it. I did. Did you? I remember that... When I read about it, it was like Carrie being raised by her single dad. But I remember in Sex and the City, the whole thing is that her dad left when she was young. And that's why she was the way she was. Didn't make any sense. So it made no sense that that was the series. Yeah. I like that actress though. Yeah. What's her name? Um, Anna Sophia Robb. Anna Sophia Robin? Rob. Rob. Anna yeah. Sophia Rob. I think. I yeah, just no, made she, that up. she did a very good Carrie. Mm-hmm. Like, it was great. And then Samantha, I know, was a character. Yeah, she was the first. Right. But unfortunately, the series only got like on one season, or maybe two, two. Se- maybe two seasons. But you didn't meet Samantha, I think, until the second season. Okay. Makes uh, sense. And she was the only other one you met. Yeah. So. And I, I, I don't really buy that Samantha would have been Carrie's friend as like a teenager. Well, she apparently Samantha was a bartender. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and so like she kind of takes Carrie under her wing. I see, I see. Yes, that's uh, how that well, supposedly worked. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't Let's buy go that either. That. <laughs> but it would be interesting to know how they all met. 
Yeah, I did always wonder that. And it was always known that Carrie's dad had left when she was young. But I had questions about her mom and what that relationship was. And Well, what's interesting, um, and we're go, kind of going on a tangent, yes. but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We'll get it back. Um, what's interesting is that you never, in the series, you never meet any of Carrie's family. No. You don't at all. No. Like, no one from her past ever comes. I mean, you meet, and you meet Charlotte's brother and... Miranda's mother dies. Yes, Miranda's and, mother which dies. Is, by the way, one of my favorite episodes. Oh, I cry, and I'm gonna cry talking I cry about it every episode. Um, I see when, every time when I Steve see it. and Aiden show up. And okay, okay, <laughs> yes, we love men that show up for women. Yes, but you see, and you see her sisters. You see Miranda's sisters, right? But you never see anyone from care. And I, I, I kind of respect that because I think. If you think about most adults, if you don't live near your family, your family isn't necessarily a part of your everyday life. And that's not a bad thing. And this is also pre-cell phones and texting and email for the most part, you know, evolves. But it it wasn't necessarily relevant to the story, what her mother was like or if she had siblings. And I think this idea that these women were each other's family is the point of it. And that's something, something really nice. Yeah. I, I agree. And um, it's uh, also, I think it shows women in a way that they don't need their parents. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're, they're adults, they're grown adults and they can right. live their lives alone. They mm-hmm. don't need. Yeah. It kind things. of showed these really independent yes. women. And I think we were, as we said, younger uh, watching this and, and to have people like that on TV and seeing these strong independent women with their own jobs and their own apartments and their own money is kind of, it's inspiring to, mm-hmm. to see that. And, you know, both of us now live in a city where our family doesn't live. Right. Um, and you kind of are forced to grow up a lot more and fend for yourself. And it's cheesy, but when you see people on TV doing the things you're doing or things you could do, it, it gives you hope and makes you think that you can do it. So... Well, matters. let's talk about that. How, um, you don't have to say how old you were when you watched the <laughs> series, but like when did, when you first started watching the series, was it when it was actually currently running or I def- was it after the fact? Well, I think that I, I started watching it when it was currently running probably midway through. I don't remember what season. And then I definitely went back and watched from the beginning because I was, I was pretty young when it started and yeah, I, I would be questioning my parents if they let me <laughs> right <laughs> or like I I what I used to do when I was a kid is um I'd like hide behind the couch of course. when my parents were watching something like they didn't let me watch um 90210 and so I'd hide behind the couch mm. when my brother watched it um but I so I don't remember what season I picked it up but I did watch it live starting whenever and and moving forward and I remember very vividly watching the finale and I think we probably made fake virgin cosmos. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was old enough to drink. But I do remember watching it and it was so much of, this was still back when like there weren't a ton of TV shows on. So it was like you watched everything live. So you watched it yeah. on Sunday night. You watched Sex and the City and then The Sopranos and we were trying before to figure out the other shows that were on Six Feet Under or, oh, right, or whatever right. else Six it was. Under. And then that's what you talked about at school the next day or work or 
And if you missed it, you missed it. Right. If you missed it, you missed it. Or you had to record it on your um, your VHS. VHS. Your VCR. Your VCR. The original DVR. Yes, exactly. I love the episode of Sex and the City where Miranda gets a TiVo Mm. and she becomes, she like starts dating her TiVo. And we've all had that moment where like you feel more connected with your TiVo or with your DVR than you do with people. Totally. Uh, So it's. A highly relatable show, <laughs> I would say. But no, I I do have just really vivid memories of watching the show and just like counting down the days until Sunday when you can watch. And I remember watching the finale and you're just cheering for for it to end the way that you want it to end. And and since then, it's kind of become the show that you just are always watching. Like I would say Sex and the City and, and Friends are the shows that I'm always, mm-hmm. they're always on or in college, we would just put on Sex and the City in the background and and do something else. It kind of seeps into you. Yeah. And you, in a way where you start referencing it and you're like, I didn't know I was paying that close attention. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I think one thing interesting about the series is there are running themes throughout and it's almost like I can tell when a certain writer is writing. That's interesting. Yeah. Because like you mentioned in this pilot episode, Mm -hmm. Stanford is talking about the one model that he represents. Mm -hmm. And he says he has a billboard in Times Square. Yep. And which later in the series, Smith. Smith, Smith Jared, yeah. Has also a billboard in Times Square. Very big billboard. (laughs) Yes, a very big one. But also in the pilot, Miranda talks about a guy she's dating who is also a poet Mm -hmm. and starts, she's like, oh, you know, I don't want to listen to his poetry. That also happens to Samantha Hmm. in the L.A. episodes. Oh, yeah. When she starts dating Gareth, I think his name is. He was the dildo model. Mm -hmm. And he turns into a poet (laughs) as well. And it just like. That's L.A. (laughs) I just don't think that that's uh, a coincidence. Well, and what's funny is if you're writing for Lost. Right. You have to be, Not I'm not comparing this to Lost, but in a way that I am. In Lost, I feel like you have to be very careful about what you do in one season not to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Sex and the City, there were things that kind of kept popping up, like you just said. And I think that that's kind of what life is like with dating. Like yeah. you, you see the same things or like something I experienced when I was dating is something, Megan, you might have experienced when you were dating. And it's just those things keep like repeating themselves. Totally. And that's what's funny about it. So you don't, you're not like, oh, well, they did that in season two. (laughs) I can't believe they're doing it. It doesn't, it never felt super repetitive. And when you see Smith Jared's billboard in whatever season that was, you weren't thinking, oh, well, in the pilot, that was a huge <laughs> plot point because nobody remembers. Exactly. I have to remind myself, like, people really rarely remember the pilot, even though I spend probably nine months working on a, on a pilot of a TV Ugh. show, which is a crazy thing to think about. Well, I mean, a pilot, you, you got a lot of stuff to think about. You got to introduce yes. all the characters. and You have to establish a world. You have to introduce the characters. You have to set up a series. There's there's a lot that goes into creating a first episode of a show. And it's weird because you spend almost a year essentially creating a pilot and then it goes to series and all of a sudden like scripts are written in two weeks and they're airing and, and you're like, we just had so much time. It never feels like enough time. It's a lot to accomplish. And that's why it's, it's fun watching the really successful shows like this one. It's fun going back and, and watching them and 
and seeing where they started and, and knowing how it evolved and just seeing, you know, what changes and kind of figuring out like, oh, like I can kind of see what notes they were giving throughout that process. Well, yeah, well, let's talk about one of the main things that happens in the pilot that thank goodness they finally faded out, which is the yes. talking <laughs> to camera. Yes. I didn't mind the talking heads of the random like people on the street mm-hmm. as much as I really strongly hated Carrie talking directly to camera, almost responding to herself in the voiceover. Right. Or like there's one scene in the pilot where she's talking to Charlotte on the phone and she's like putting the phone to her shoulder so Charlotte can't hear her speaking to <laughs> yeah. camera. It, it doesn't really make sense because it, it takes you out of it, I think. Right. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. As soon as they're talking to me, I'm like, what? And, <laughs> Am yeah. I here? Like, am I in the room with you? I don't... I mean, what did it last? Like a season and a half before they yeah. faded out? I feel like if you have strong enough characters, you don't need a device. Right. And you'll see everyone has seen pilots or episodes of shows that use a voiceover or use some sort of narrative device. And a lot of times those are really important and they're really helpful because it helps you get across information in a shorter amount of time than it would But if your characters are really strong and people like them enough and care about them enough, eventually you don't need that because you should be able just to understand what's happening based on what they're saying and doing in the episode. And Sex and the City always has the the voiceover from Carrie. That's like one of the calling cards of of the series. But the, the talking heads kind of, they don't really make sense. And what's weird is, when they first do them, it's like a couple random people, but it's also how they introduce Miranda and Charlotte and Samantha. Right. Which And Skipper too. And Skipper. And we were watching with my boyfriend who had never seen it before. And he asked the question, like, are all of these people important to the show? Because he knew obviously the women were. And it's it is confusing because you're not sure who the show is about. Right. And maybe they were supposed to be important and maybe they just weren't. That's true. Maybe maybe they intended on on like it's Capote and then I feel like a couple other random dudes, plus Skipper, obviously. Maybe they thought that that would become kind of the like rotating. But what's interesting is everyone, all the girls and and Capote and and a couple other random people Mm -hmm. got like name stamps. Like Mm -hmm. like their their names were like stamped up and what they did and their job. Mm -hmm. But Stanford did not get one. I didn't notice that. Well, I've watched a million times. (laughs) No, but you're right. But she, Carrie introduces Stanford in her voiceover. Right. And then they do this weird split screen thing. Yeah. But but he doesn't get his own little timestamp, which I maybe it just didn't fit in like with the flow. Maybe cuz he wasn't doing the like talking head and she's just having lunch with him. Yeah, well he never Yeah. Yeah. You know what else was interesting? She's having lunch with Stanford when she when she sees Kurt, Kurt Harrington. Kurt Harrington. <laughs> With his um, thumb ring. And then she makes a date with Kurt to have sex at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, of course. Because well, that's when everybody makes... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's New York City. <laughs> it was just kind of like... We don't have jobs. Oh, okay, like... And then, and then the, the way she gets out of sex when, when she's done is, I have to go back to work. And you're like, what day is it? What's happening? Ha- <laughs> ha- I guess she's a writer. 
So she doesn't have a schedule, but it felt very weird. Yeah, super weird. Kurt Harrington. Let's talk about- That guy um, never comes back, does he? No. No. (laughs) Kurt Harrington does not come back, but certain characters similar to him come back. Yes. Like a version of Kurt comes back. Of course. So one of the segments uh, that we're going to do is pun of the episode. Now, in the pilot episode, there really weren't that many puns. Um, there's one at the very beginning. Yes. About the co-op. Mm-hmm. And it's I, Cupid has flown yes. the co-op. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it makes no sense. No. <laughs> like many of her puns, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Well, it's like, for it to really make sense to people, you have to like see it. Right. And I guess they do type it out. She does type it out. So you are yes, looking at that's it. that's true. Because it's like, you know, a, a pun on a, the rooster has flown the coop. Yes. Cupid has flown the co-op. Right. And uh, other than that, though. Well, it, yeah, I, there's not a ton. Because I think in this this episode, the voiceover, because they still use the talking heads, like the voiceover was more of a narrative device, whereas later it was more like getting you in and out of story in terms of like, this is what her article is about this week. But then you just kind of see it play out where this was more... It was more spelled out for you in the pilot, what was going on. And this was about, you know, love being lost in New York and no relationships and sleeping around with no commitment. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, so that's it. Things women love. Things women love. Dicks. (laughs) Sure. Dicks that know their dicks. Yeah. I don't know if it makes it better or worse. I can't, I I don't think it makes it better. I don't think so. But, you know, but like, girl, do girls like bad boys? We do. But I think you get to a certain age where you don't. Right. Right? Like, you go through your phase, and then you're just like, I don't really, I'm yeah. not into it anymore. I'm with my good boy. So. I'm with mine. Yeah. We did it. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We're adults. Yay. Um, so, Cupid has flown the co-op. <laughs> Cupid has flown the co-op. Um, let's see. Um Hottie of the episode. The contenders were, we have Skipper, Capote Duncan. I think it's Mr. Big. Big for Hottie of the episode. Yeah, definitely. Gotta be Mr. Big. I will say, like, Big gets so sleazy as the series goes on. And you eventually circle back and we like him, whatever. Well, eventually a segment is going to be good big, bad big. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. He's, like, kind of the worst for most of it. But... (laughs) I do like watching the early episodes because you actually see why she fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. And he's charming and he's cute and he like he's super wealthy. Not that that matters. I mean, it matters a little bit. Um, <laughs> but there's something like mysterious and sexy about him. Mm-hmm. And he really seems to adore her, which sticks throughout series. But like oftentimes he's married or with other women while he adores her. Um, yeah, that's the bad big. <laughs> that's the bad big. But I, I do think in this episode, I, I would say big. Yeah. Hottie like, of the week. Yeah. Hottie of the week. But like I would say Skipper is like a close second just because like poor Skipper. Poor Skipper. He just wants a nice girl. He just wants love. He does. And why he thinks he's going to find that with Miranda is a mystery. But Skipper. What do girls love more than fixing somebody? And Skipper is somebody you can fix. It's true. Right? 
Like you give him a makeover and he would listen to anything you say. Get rid of those jerry curls. Get rid of those jerry curls. They're so curly. They're really curly. But no, Mr. Mr. Big is definitely hottie of this episode in particular just because he's charming and mysterious. And Now, when you saw Skipper in that commercial, did he still have that <laughs> curly hair? He does still have the curly hair. So it's just there. It's just, it's part of him. Yeah, it's part it's of him. part of who he is. Mm. <laughs> He'll always be Skipper. Yeah. But Big was the hottie. Yeah, we'll go with that. All right, Big. So let's talk about who wore what and why. Okay. The thing is, in this episode, fashion didn't come into play yet. Not really. I mean, it was just 1998 fashion. <laughs> you it's know? very 90s, which is interesting because the 90s are kind of back- now, now, yeah. I feel like the, oddly enough, the biggest fashion thing is the close-up that Charlotte's dress gets. She goes to a gala with mm-hmm. Capote Duncan at the Met because that's what you do. Right. And she's wearing like <laughs> this, it's like a halter dress gown that looks like it's that like shiny plasticky, like silver, silvery material mm-hmm. from the 90s with extra sparkles. Yeah. She pulls it off. Totally. And she's also wearing, when she's on the phone with Carrie, like an interesting little like lazy bra with a cardigan that I'm kind of into. Mm-hmm. Miranda's dressed in <laughs> like a nerdy, like, like lawyer, like, like business yeah, woman. Yeah, like business woman, but like a little menswear, like a boxy blazer yeah. and button down shirts and like maybe some pearls. She might've been wearing pearls. Um, it's interesting I don't really remember anything Carrie wore in this episode. I the black dress. She wears one like skin tight black dress, and that's all. She I has to wear leopard print. Oh yes, <laughs> at chaos. Yes, but it's one of those. It's like a slip dress almost, where it's like skin tight with like bra strap straps, and her boobs are yes, big. they're there, they're out. But not any of the like crazy groundbreaking fashion I think that would later define the series. Right. They look straight out of the 90s. Straight out of the 90s. And I think what um, sticks out to me the most is their hairstyles. Yeah. I think it's just their hair. Because uh-huh. Carrie in the pilot, I mean, she's pretty much almost a brunette. Yes. it's Her hair is really dark and it's pretty short. Yes. Pretty short. Samantha and Charlotte have versions of the Rachel. I feel, you know, like a little like mid-length bob Mm -hmm. with a lot of layers. Samantha's is a little bit more grown out. And and she has bangs. Yes. And I feel like Samantha has bangs throughout the whole series. Does she? She does. She does. Like that's it. Miranda sometimes has bangs because Miranda always had her hair pretty short. So I feel like she had bangs too, but the other two did not because- it's hard to do bangs with a curly hair. I feel like... Um, As a curly-haired person. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We don't do bangs. I feel like Carrie's hair is really the only hair that changed the most throughout yeah, the whole series. Yeah, because Carrie's hair got more blonde and eventually... I mean, it always was curly, but she'd, she'd blow it out every now and then. Yeah. Uh, but it but got it, longer and shorter, and yeah. then the hair extensions came into play. I feel like everything in this episode was very harsh. Harsh hair, harsh makeup, like a lot of frosted lips, which 
I definitely rocked a frosted lip back in the day. We all did. We all. I mean, I do now sometimes. Yeah, I probably would if it was still an option. But it's very severe. There is no like soft lighting in in this with soft makeup. Do you think that also has to do with maybe the budget they had available for the pilot? Yeah, I don't know. Or like it is filmed like it's in New York and it's very much on location. Has Mm -hmm. this like grittiness to it. So, yeah, it's possible. Because I feel like from the pilot to the next episode, everything's just better. Well, yeah. I'm. Here's the thing. Like, a, a pilot is usually shot on location, so you're you're not in a controlled environment. Whereas once you are picked up for series, you build sets. Right. And you're either on a soundstage or you're you're in a better situation where you can kind of make things work for the camera, whereas the pilot, like, you have to just make do with what you're given. Mm-hmm. So, like, Carrie's apartment changes. She's a different right. apartment in the first totally episode. Totally different. Totally different. Like, much crappier, much more authentic, and honestly, much more affordable or seemingly <laughs> affordable because where she ends up, you're like, how? How right. does this happen? You only see, you see Carrie's apartment and you see Charlotte's terrace. And it's interesting because you don't know a lot about Charlotte, but the fact that she's on, like, a terrace... You already know, like, this girl's got money. Like, she works at a gallery, and she has her own little cute terrace mm-hmm. with, like, a wrought iron fence. So it tells you a lot about who these women are. But, yeah, it definitely gets a little more glamorous as you go into the future episodes once they kind of, you know, you build your sets and, and you figure it out. And Sanford gets glasses in the second episode. Yes. That's when his... Iconic, like yeah. round glasses. The little round glasses. I, fe- I feel like the pilot is like one of the only times you see him without the glasses. Yeah, probably the only time. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so, so sometimes in the show they bring in other movies and 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 things that they know about. In the pilot episode, they bring up a movie called The Last Seduction. Yes. Have you ever seen this movie? No. No. <laughs> I me not. neither. It seems like a super weird and random movie. We should watch it. We should. We should have watched it before we filmed this to like really talk about well, it. Well, that, that's what I wanted to do. But at the same time, I was like, I mean, our audience out there, have any of you seen The Last Seduction? I'd really like to know. Um, because, you know, Miranda's seen it and she's talking about Linda Fiorentino fucking against the right. fence. Yeah, what it's like say? a big moment in the episode, <laughs> and Charlotte does not like it. No, of course she's Charlotte, a prude. <laughs> she's a total prude, supposedly. Yeah, <laughs> she wants everyone to think that yes. she is. But yeah, no, it's like a it's a big focal point of their conversation, and I've never seen it, but you know, maybe it's worth checking uh, the, out. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even I've literally never heard of it other than the, the pilot, pilot episode. Is it real? Did we look it up? Oh my goodness. It's got no. It's got to be no, real. No, yeah, no. I'm sure it's real. It's got to be real because they talk about other movies and other things right. it throughout. Would, yeah, it would be too obvious if it was a fake movie. But yeah, it's got to hmm. be real. I don't know. Well, we'll have to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to know if you'd ever seen it. No, <laughs> like I've never even heard. I of forgot it. about it until we rewatched <laughs> the pilot episode yeah. tonight. The Last Seduction. It's a great title. The Last Seduction. Like, do you think someone gets murdered? Like, what yeah. do we think The Last well, Seduction sounds, okay, is about? It sounds like a Lifetime movie. Totally. Yeah, no, it's, def- it's definitely like a made-for-TV movie, and someone definitely ends up dead at the end of it. Because it was the last one. I would say it's like an abusive boyfriend who ends up dead. 
That sounds about right. Right. Or or the woman ends up dead and the abusive boyfriend killed her. Oh, that's... Is that that's, too dark? Well, I feel like the movie was supposed to be like empowering women, that, Oh, that's right? true. So it, yeah, no, it's definitely I feel like the, the girl's got to kill the, the boy. Woman, yeah, the girl's killing someone. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. Well, we already know what the movie's about. Yeah, we don't have we to don't see it. <laughs> we figured it out. <laughs> Let's talk about that uh, little story at the beginning with the English woman. Oh, yeah. And the man and they randomly meet. Why was that necessary? Because that's in the book. Oh, it is. <laughs> yes, that little story oh. is in the book. And I think that guy... By, and by the way, the actress who's supposed to be British is clearly Australian. Definitely Australian. Yeah, not even trying to be British, but we'll go with it. Yeah, well, well, I almost thought I had it figured out because she said that she had just moved from England. She didn't say she lit, was from England. But then she said, but then in the beginning, it was like she was an English author. Yeah. So she's, yeah. Well, she's it, from you feel like it's going to be a metaphor for something, but it really is just by means of introducing Carrie as a writer. Yeah. And basically being like, boys are the worst. But like, we know they are. Well, here's the thing though. The guy, he just disappeared, right? Right. So I realized that that guy, though, is like the original ghoster. Oh, that's so true. So ghosting was happening in 1998 as well. Okay, well, life sucked even then. (laughs) Yep. It was probably easier to ghost somebody in 1998 than it is now. Oh, yeah. Because you could just totally, like... You You just don't call them. You just don't call them, right? And, like, maybe run into them, but, like, probably not. Right. I mean, it's New York City. There's a lot of people, which also makes me realize, like, Big and Carrie, they randomly met on the street. What are the chances? It's fate. <laughs> you have to be more romantic. They're meant to be together. Uh, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of people in New York City. There are. And, like, you're not running into people you know on the street. But the the other thing, going back to this little uh, intro story of this couple, they start dating, and within two weeks... They're looking at houses together, which, quite frankly, that's your first sign because nobody does that within two weeks of dating somebody. That's weird. So the fact that this woman was surprised that he took her to look at, like, a $5 million townhome and then disappeared on her is, like, you should have known. Yeah. Two weeks? Two weeks. That's that's not a lot of time. That's not. No. Which is another thing that does come up later in the episode when the guy that stays with Miranda on the couch and then they get engaged in a week. Which guy? They were flirting through emails. Oh, and yeah. And then he comes to visit uh-huh. her and she like redecorates her whole house. Right. And then all in the same episode, they, they get, get engaged. engaged and married. I don't remember that happening. <laughs> yeah, because that was the episode where Carrie writes the poem. No, Carrie's a poet. Yeah, Carrie's a poet. <laughs> Carrie writes the poem. So just this whole like meeting and things right. could possibly happen, yeah. but they normally don't. Well, and, and when Charlotte meets Trey, they get engaged fairly quickly, if I remember correctly. I feel like within six months. Yeah, it's very soon, which is very much Charlotte. Yes. <laughs> she was like, oh, I found a rich guy who likes me, who has a Park Avenue penthouse. Like, check. Done. Let's do it. Yes. And he was charming for a time. I like Trey. Yeah. He just had a dick problem. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he really wasn't, though. No. He wasn't a bad guy. He had an inappropriate relationship with his mother. Well, that's true. But they try to but, explain that and justify it. Yeah, but no, he was <laughs> he was a nice guy. He just overall. Yeah, they were not right for they each just, other. Yeah, they just weren't right for each other. He's not right for anyone, really. They should do like um a spin-off series with like all of the men, like what happened to them, like what happened to Trey, or what happened to Aiden, or I I don't know, like Richard. Like what happened to Richard? He's a scumbag. Just kind of like men in the city. Men in the city. Like if this show had been made today, like there would have been like a web series totally. called Men in the City, right? That just followed like all the guys that they dated separately. Well, eventually the goal um, for this podcast is to get some of those cast members on. Oh. Yeah, we'll, well edit this fun. out. But I yeah. am not one of those cast members. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I definitely, but I am the first guest. Uh, the first guy I want to try to get on though is Skipper. Oh, yeah, you should. I want to try to get Skipper on. I feel like you could probably do that. I'd say find him on Twitter. Everyone's on Twitter. On Twitter? Yeah. Ben Weber, are you on Twitter? <laughs> are you listening to this? We can. I'm not on Twitter, but I'm sure he is. We could find him. <laughs> okay, I'll hunt him down. <laughs> well, let's talk about sex in the city. <laughs> <laughs> we have it. Let's talk about the sex in sex in the city. Oh, there's not a lot of it. In the pilot, there's... Two sex scenes. Right. The first sex scene is with the random English woman and mm-hmm. man. And then the second one, the real second sex scene, is with Carrie mm-hmm. and Kurt Harrington. Right, which is an, an oral sex scene, if you will. Yes. And you don't see it. You just hear the end of it, really. Yeah, you just hear, oh, Kurt. And, yeah. And the- well, and Carrie, I would say, never had... The exciting sex scenes in the series. Well, no, that was in her contract. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. Um, but there is, you're right, there's there's a lack of sex in, in Sex in the City for the first episode. Right. Miranda doesn't have it. Charlotte says no to it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see Capote Im- go down on it's Samantha. Implied it's that, implied, yeah. right? There's a lot of talk of it, but there's not a lot of seeing it, which is, I think, fine. Right. Or the pilot. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think in general, you see, you definitely do see a lot of sex, but it's more about talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I think about this a lot. Like a lot of women don't, they don't talk about sex that much. Or people, not just women. People don't, they don't talk about it that much. And it's interesting to look back on a show that was so open and in your face about it and kind of unashamed to get into the reality of it. And you don't you don't see that as often anymore. No, especially not in 1998. No, definitely not. So I think the amount of sex that they actually had in the show in 1998 it was probably a lot for, <laughs> for the time. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But even now, when you see it on TV, it's not. You don't see like a girl going and running to her girlfriends after like kind of talk it through. And they did that on this show, which I think was interesting. Right. So at the end of every episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about who we identify the most oh, man. with. Hmm. So who are you? That's a... <laughs> this week, who you're really putting who me. You you're really putting me on the spot. I think that I'm somewhere... I'm like a mix of Carrie and Charlotte. Mm. I feel like a lot more people are a Charlotte than they like to admit to. Totally. Right? Yes. Like... Everyone thinks like you don't want to be a Charlotte, but everyone kind of is. Yes. But I, I feel like I'm I'm somewhere 
in the middle because I, I think the two of them, like Miranda and Samantha are just, they're very specific and they're very opinionated and they're very set in their ways. Whereas I think Carrie and, and Charlotte, they were each, and Charlotte especially, like they're each always willing to kind of go outside of their comfort zone. And they each have their own moments of empowerment in this episode with like taking a stand for themselves. And I feel like I hopefully would be similar in those situations, whether it's like, you know, when you're dating, you always think like, I played it so cool and I was mysterious and I was playing hard to get. And it, by the way, totally blows up in Charlotte's face. And in my real life, it usually (laughs) blew up in my face as well. But there was something to be said about like, thinking really hard. Like I'm a, I'm an overthinker and I think Charlotte suffers from that a little bit too. And also <laughs> Carrie where she's trying to prove something to herself. Like I can have sex like a man. I don't, I don't have to feel anything, but it, it really doesn't satisfy her at the end of the day. And I think all of Carrie's journey is just kind of learning how to be true to herself. And I, I feel like at the end of the day, all of us are trying to figure that out. We <laughs> <laughs> still are, always are. And it's, she has that question at the end, like, I did what I was supposed to do, or I, you know, I did it, but I don't feel better about myself. And it's like admitting to yourself that like, yeah, you, you can be a certain way, but that doesn't mean you, you like it. Well, I almost think Carrie in this episode in having sex with Kurt Harrington, I think she was almost did it just to justify doing it again. Because, you know, she mm. said she'd like, she'd yeah. done it when she was in her early 20s and then this time and then 31. Right. And then it's like, well, now I'm going to do it again. But this time I have a reason for doing it. And I almost wonder if like, well, was she just justifying the fact that she just really wanted just to do it again? And I think she was trying to prove a point that like she could just sleep with this guy and not feel anything right. after the fact. But she couldn't and it wasn't like she had feelings for him in particular right in general i think it was more going back to that idea of like she doesn't want to just have sex with someone and let it go she wants she wants a relationship she wants a commitment it didn't really give her any kind of satisfaction just to have sex and walk away. And I think she realized that that was a good thing. Yeah, no, and I think she did too. And and by the way, I think that's an empowering thing in in this episode. And again, like something you don't see very often, a woman being like, yeah, I can do it that way. It doesn't mean it's what I want. And it's, you know, actually going after what it is that you want the way that each of them do. Right. All right. So who did you relate to? I think in this episode... Yeah, I, I got to go with Skipper. <laughs> I mean, it's you a know. surprise choice. I'm just a romantic, <laughs> you know. Um, there's just, uh, I just believe in love right now. That's a good answer. I kind of wish I had gone with that now. <laughs> he just wants, he's like a contestant on The Bachelor. He yes. just wants to find love. He just wants love, but he's just so oblivious on how to get it. Yeah. Oh, Skippy. Skipper. Skippy, <laughs> Skipper. All right, cool. Well, thanks so much, Emily. Thanks for, for having me. Coming down the episode. This is so fun. The podcast. This was fun. I should do this every day. 
Every day. <laughs> just talk about sex in the city. We can do that every day. We just, yeah. We just thought I'm going to record it every day. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fair. I'll accept it. Did you enjoy your Cosmo? I did. You can, t- you can be honest. Was there too much vodka in no, it? No, <laughs> there was just enough. We had two Cosmos, one during the episode and one during the podcast. Yeah. I think it was the perfect Cosmo. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, till next time. Till next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Wow. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Um, I want to thank our awesome guest, Emily Rothstein. Please go watch the latest show she worked on, The Mayor, on ABC, Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. Thanks to John Fredette for doing our music, and you can check out his stuff at johnfredette.com. And also thanks to producer Terrence Deutsch. And again, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, both at Cosmos and the City, and email us at cosmosandthecity at gmail.com. All right, thanks, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.